The Heather McCoy Show. Welcome back to The Heather McCoy Show. Joining me via phone this time, Skype's not operating for us, uh, is Robert Larson. He joins us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hey, it's always good to be with you, Heather. Yeah, so um, the votes have been finally counted uh, after probably, what, five weeks of um, after the election? And uh, Will Lamar did vote yes. Two-thirds majority uh, wanted to have, uh, what, $28 for their property taxes taken out so that they can have a park system. Um, but obviously it's going to take a year to fund since we're not currently um, in tax season. Right, yeah, the thing, yeah, wow, <laughs> Five weeks later, we finally have a, a vote, a final count on uh, here in uh, Wildemar for uh, assessing a $28 yearly property tax increase so they can actually have parks. And uh, so, yeah, it passed with the over two-thirds uh, that it needed, and that'll be a really good thing. But, yeah, they're saying that it's going to be a gap right now as it stands of the possibly up to a year and a half before that money is available to actually reopen these parks and keep the one that's uh, still operating going. And uh, so the, the whole thing is that, okay, so we have the, voted to have this property tax increase, but so it, takes, so it doesn't show up till the next year's uh, property tax bill. And then all of that, it takes a while to gather it all together and how that all works. So yeah, there's a possibly a year and a half. So a little, peop, uh, a little bit, people are deflated about that, but they are talking about some things that, of actually you know, borrowing some money against those uh, future revenues, and uh, you know, which is a common thing that cities and states and even the federal government does. So that that may happen because it's kind of sad right now that they have one park and they may not. Uh, that one is it's the Friends of Wildemar Parks that is actually keeping that one going. That's just a volunteer group, and they. But they've fallen behind. They're more than uh, $15,000 in the uh, red for electricity bills and water and all that. So, uh, yeah, this is desperately needed, this money. And it's just, it's just really sad. The city of the size of Wildmar, what did we determine how day is like about 33,000 population? Yeah, something, something like uh, that. Yeah, and they only have one park that's barely operating. So, yeah. Um, Hopefully they'll figure out a way to borrow the money or whatever so that they can have at least three parks going and kids can have something to do, you know, play soccer and whatever else they need to do and just go hang out and play on the park toys. Is there any... How we all did as kids. Yeah, yeah. Is there any talk about paying back the group their 15000 since they were good stewards and they actually filled in where government fell short? Uh, yeah, I I think actually, yeah, that it's uh, they're not going to get paid back all the money they've put in because it's just a thing they took on voluntarily. But I yeah. think the park itself, yeah, it, it I think that fifteen thousand dollar debt could be converted over to the city to to pay that off. I would assume they would because it's they they still own the park, I'm sure. So uh, yeah, I think that's what what they're talking about is that they'll get that $15,000 to, you know, at least pay off that bill. And, you know, for and this... who knows, some of the people volunteering might get paid jobs now, which is... Oh, yeah, that would be great. That would be a stimulus to the area. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things I think that a lot of listeners might not realize why we talk about Wildemar and their park system so much is, 
it's important. I mean, property taxes pay for a lot of things. Um, if you are in Orange County and you think we're full of crap, drive in Huntington Beach and look at all the like facilities they have, including the indoor swimming pool in downtown Huntington Beach that are in the commons, and then drive to Westminster. And it's a very stark reality of, of um, what you know a good property tax base will get you. Yeah, I mean, and we have that very clearly. Anyone that knows the history... We have it very clearly at the state level with the infamous Proposition 13, where we had (laughs) all kinds of funding for libraries and schools back in the 1970s and after Prop 13, where they drastically cut back property taxes. Our schools and libraries are really hurting. Property taxes, it's like, it's it's the price you pay for, you know, living in a civilized society and having nice things that are the commons that everybody can use. So, Will Lamar, we also have some updates on the contaminated dirt and water. Um, what's the update on the dirt first, I guess? Yeah, you know, that's that's a pretty crazy story, and it's just like the, one of these things that you've heard over and over in communities throughout the decades of these things of where somebody, either uh, greedy uh, developers, just don't do everything correctly and end up using... Uh, things that are contaminated and uh, people get hurt and people die and but yeah this thing in uh uh wildemar with the contaminated dirt it's a residence uh, an area it's a little neighborhood cul-de-sac i guess to be exact that was built i think it's in 2006 so it's not old at all it's very new actually in they uh, people for a while now have been complaining of getting sick and they thought there was something going on there and they had no official agency would test the uh the dirt they had to hire their own attorneys and they found let me see what it is they said they found it's kind of nasty stuff here carbon tetrachloride it's a solvent and coolant banned in consumer products and ethylene dichloride a plastics uh ingredient and toxic chemical that has been discontinued uh, for some uses. So anyways, both the things very dangerous, one that's been completely banned. <laughs> so it ended <laughs> up in some dirt somewhere that this these builders decided to use as fill dirt in this neighborhood. And uh, people have been complaining of headaches, rashes, nosebleed, breathing difficulties, pneumonia, gastrointestinal problems. And uh, the really scary thing is two two women, both in their 30s, died. Wow. According to family members. Uh, so now we don't know. People can die for all kinds of reasons. But, you know, uh, people generally in their 30s just don't just die all of a sudden without some, uh, you know, that they've got cancer or something that we know of. Or So it's like... Yeah, it's it's very weird. So that that's all. And, but the the update on it is that there's a meeting. They've agreed uh, to uh, get together, and this is going to involve uh, county environmental and health officials, and uh, just at the urging of, of uh, these residents, they're going to uh, convene this meeting and look into it. You know, it's this whole thing. Everything moves so slowly. Well, we're going to look into this. Maybe do some more testing. Or they haven't done any official testing. It's only been done by uh, what the people have paid for themselves. So um, anyways, yeah, they the uh, friends of these uh, people in this area have uh, circulated petitions and uh, online, and they've got, uh, I don't know, quite a few people have signed on to, you know, demand that the state agencies uh, 
test the neighborhood. But it's it's pretty scary. Four, uh, I think it's four families have abandoned their homes. Yeah. In this area, just 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 walked away because they felt it was making them really sick. And then these two young women died, and people, you know, attempts to scare people. Yeah. Is there any subpoenas being levied against the the home builder to see where the dirt source came from? You know, at this point, no. I think it's just at this preliminary stage, and uh, it's just the, right now uh, they're going to have this meeting of these um, health agencies, environmental, air quality people uh, getting together, talking to the residents, and I think, uh, you, you know, I, it, it's at that stage where it's like plausible deniability still where, well, we don't know exactly, uh, maybe it's... Uh, just a coincidence. Maybe <laughs> there's something else going on. But even though it all looks very much like there's contaminated dirt because of what uh, the builders did. So I think once they have had an official determination where it's an official agency that's done the testing, not a, just a private attorney, and they determine that these contaminants are there, then they'll, yeah, I'm sure legal... Uh, maneuvering will go on from there and yeah you would think that the builders would be liable and if, if they're putting in dirt that they got from a uh questionable source then then they're going to be in some kind of serious trouble you would hope yeah at least a class action lawsuit <laughs> not, not be able to yeah not be able to buy their way out of it but uh, i mean you know these are some pretty nasty chemicals that you probably shouldn't even find in a regular city dump. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're the kind of chemicals that have to be disposed of through all that hazardous waste, uh, um, uh, red tape and all of that, you know, just not disposed of. But again, that's another thing where people who are unscrupulous and want to save money will uh, pay someone to look the other way so that they can dump that kind of crap in a city dump. Yeah. And whereas builders will also pay people to look the other way so that they can take dirt from a city dump instead of from a, a cleaner source. The so other, it, it's, it's bad, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. The other possibility, too, is the fact that maybe somebody, you know, when Wildemar was unincorporated and just, you know, wild desert in the 60s and 70s, somebody might have, like, may have just illegally dumped that, and then they they bought the land, and then they found that, that the dirt was toxic, but they just built anyway. Right, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, that's that's very uh, much correct. Uh, that that could be a possibility. Although they're saying that they're calling it fill dirt, which makes oh, me okay. think that it's dirt they bring in. But but you know, it could as well be what you said that there was already contaminants there that people just dumped back when it was just wild open land. Hey, I'm not going to pay fifty thousand dollars to have this toxic stuff taken care of. I'll just go dump it for free. Which it did happen quite a bit in the, you know, before probably the EPA became involved with things. Um, so what's the update with the yeah, water yeah. in Wildemar, too? Yeah, they're working on that as well. That has, I think, gotten a little bit further along than the contaminated dirt thing. Uh, it's actually, that story's taken off with um, a lot of... Uh, uh, kind of big-time news media people getting involved, ABC uh, uh, News, I think, uh, t uh, television sent somebody down there to uh, look into it. And uh, so they, they're getting a lot of uh, 
publicity. But, um, yeah, that, that is another thing where it, no official agency has tested. They did, they, an official agency did test it some years back, but nobody has tested it recently except for a volunteer, a, a guy who works at a local uh, college and who had, has a past working with uh, water quality. He decided to take this on himself, and they've tested it. And uh, the latest test that he has done shows that the contamination level has increased over the one that was done some time back. Uh, and uh, it's they're saying it's uh, 97 milligrams per liter, which is an increase of 11 milligrams per liter uh, since the last uh, official uh, reading. And uh, I don't that, those numbers probably don't mean much to people, but they are well over the level of uh, what is uh, considered safe. Yeah. And all officials involved in this are telling people to not drink this water. So uh, yeah, and, and the contamination is it's it's nitrates. Which they say nitrates are present in in water all the time at, at minute levels, but if it gets over a certain level, it's uh, it's really bad for you. It can cause um, all kinds of um, problems. So uh, it, let's see, it complicates the uh, blood's ability to carry oxygen, which is not good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think nitrates so, um, are. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I think that nitrates are also found in um, agribusiness a lot too, like factory yes, farms. Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so the now now the the company. It's a, again. This, uh, we've talked about this before. It's a private company that is uh, delivering this water to people. It's not a public agency, and the owner is. Uh, trying to secure a state grant to research the best way to clean the water. So, which, you know, is all well and good, but I don't know if this person deserves it. It's sort of like you've shown yourself to be sort of a bad player, and uh, you maybe should just have your water agency taken away from you. Yeah, or you should lose your your right, your license to to be a water uh, delivery uh, uh, system company. So uh, yeah, that that's because they've been offered a grant a while back, and they didn't. They dragged their feet on filling out all the paperwork, and it's just like you know, I I don't feel comfortable having you supply water to people. <laughs> yeah, there's a time where the public trust is completely violated at a certain point. So um, yeah. Um, well, the voters also voted in um, November 6th that Temecula has to take down the red light cameras. They are off. They have a date to be turned off, but they're not uninstalled yet, uh, pending legal legislation. What's new on that? Yeah, um, it's actually, it's Marietta. Marietta, I'm uh, sorry. Temecula, but yeah, Marietta. Uh, they, um, yeah, they, voters voted to remove the red light cameras. Just a lot of people kind of pissed off about that uh, for reasons we've already stated here before. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, again, these things move slowly, but they do actually have a date of December 14th, which is coming right up, where the cameras will be turned off. And uh, so people won't have to feel nervous coming up to those intersections anymore. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Oh, did they put up a short yellow light here? I'm going to get a camera ticket. Uh, so, yeah, that's December 14th. They're going to turn them off. But the the other side, uh, the people fighting this, who, surprise, surprise, are connected to the uh, people that manufacture and install these cameras, 
Uh, they are fighting it, yeah. And so they, I don't know, I don't think they have a court date, but the city is not going to actually remove the cameras. They're going to turn them off, but not remove them until this is all played out in the courts. And either the courts say, nope, the voters have every right to do that, and we're taking, you know, and so you can take the cameras down. Or they'll say, no, you can't do that. So the cameras go back on. And the, the, what they're, the other side is uh, arguing on this is that the, uh, the voters do not have the right to do that. Uh, oh. They're saying that the um, uh, traffic laws uh, rest with the city council and can't be overridden by voters. So I'm not any kind of uh, legal expert on that, and uh, so I don't know. But uh, I know it seems to me that, that uh, uh, voters all the time override the uh, laws. The thing, you know, dumb things that city councilmen people do. I mean, it seems like they can override <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, well, the other that was the other question I had in my little thought process was, is there legal precedence for voting these things out? And if so, how long should the case take? Yeah, you know, I think there 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 is precedence because I I've, when this first came up on the ballot and people were talking about it in the local news here, it was um, that yeah, several other cities had decided to take them out, and but but I don't know for sure if it was the city council that voted that or if it was voters through a ballot initiative. So there, there is precedent that they've been taken out, but whether it's been done by direct democracy of the voters or a city council, I don't know on that. So that, that's probably what's going to play out in court here. Uh, I found it interesting that there was a, you know, you, you don't, it's really hard to get a lot of information about all the people running for city council and, oh yeah, you know, who do I vote for? And uh, when I was looking at all that, when I was voting, they all seemed pretty conservative and right wing from the little stuff you could read between <laughs> the lines. And there, there was uh, there was one uh, fellow running, a, uh, a uh, Harry Ramos, and he said some things in his little blurb in the voter guide that oh, this guy sounds like I wouldn't agree with him on things. But he took a strong stand against the red light cameras, and yeah. he was the only person running for city council who did. And I, you know what? I'm going to vote for this guy just for that, you know, for one thing, one issue I agree with him on. And uh, he actually won. And I think he was a neophyte. He had never run for political office before. So I, I was, uh, you know, I was kind of pleased about that. And he's uh, been against the red light cameras all along. So Yeah, left or right, it's... Um, um, yeah. yeah, left or right, it's kind of exciting to get new blood into the system. But anyways... Um, thank you for joining us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. That has been Robert Larson, and thank you for listening to The Heather McCoy Show. <laughs>